0: For full, important safety information, visit juviderm.com.
1: You are listening to The Coming Out Tapes, an audio archive of LGBT stories. I'm your host, Karis Bradley, and throughout this season, I'll be talking to lots of different people from the community about lots of different things connected to coming out. Even though you have to, do I mean, I
2: normally, I normally do, but like you're not pronouncing it off I at do. all. So, like you're pronouncing it, like the surname probably a little bit, but like okay. it's, it's sounds like my name. It's so. within
1: two standard deviations. Yeah. <laughs>
2: all right. If you're going Metha, I'd be like, mm, no. <laughs> okay.
1: Good to know. Um. Uh. So yeah, we're sat in my living room, uh, halfway between Euston and Uxbridge. Yes. Um. Uh, thanks so much for giving up your evening to come and talk uh, about all things by
2: power. Yes, let's call always. it
1: that. Um, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners?
2: Uh, yeah, sure. So, um, hi everyone. My name is Venit Um I'm known online as Nintendo Mad Eight Eight Eight, literally everywhere you can think of. Because I can't get off social media, apparently. <laughs> I work as a software engineer. Uh, I am Indian, I'm bisexual, and uh, I don't know what else to say. Uh cis man? He, him, pronounced?
1: Yeah? Yeah. Where did Nintendo eighty eight, Nintendo Mad 88 come from?
2: Um, I guess it was at that point where I was like, I clearly need a new email address. I was tired of my old one, which was Aries Brain Box. <laughs> Equally tough. <laughs> and um, I was like, well, I really love Nintendo. I've been playing it since I was about three, so... I thought that would work, and I was like, okay, Nintendo Mad, and then eight's my favourite number, and I'm one of those people who like things to sort of, like, things in threes always seem to sound nice, even though I hate the number three. Okay. My brain works You've only got two eights. No, eight, eight, eight. Ah. Three eights.
1: Nintendo Mad, eight, eight, eight. Okay. Good to know. Um, Cool. So, uh, why do you, why the word bisexual? Why do you think that's the best way of describing...
2: See, for me, I just found the word first. I didn't heard any of these other words until I'd already come out as bisexual. And I was like, oh, I'm attached to it now. I don't want to change it. I can't be bothered. Like, And for me, it means what it means for me. Like, It's more than one gender. Um, and the way I think of gender is probably more closer to the bisexual definition of like, oh, I don't really care about it. Um, so I was just like, yeah, it's fine. I like the word bisexual. I like the colours, which we'll yeah. fight over about that.
1: Yes. Uh, the by... I'd, I wouldn't say that I hate them. I just...
2: A the pan one. I
1: think I just find them so boring. I think that's why I don't like them. Um, they look so pretty. Do they? <laughs> yes. I have to stop insulting these colours because you have literally had them tattooed on your body. Um... I saw a definition for bisexual the other day, which was someone explaining the difference between bi and pan, and they said that bisexuals are people who are attracted to gender, the same gender as themselves, and genders that are different to themselves, normally with a preference. Yeah. Is that a thing?
2: I think that's how a lot of people like to define it. I don't think you necessarily need to have a preference, though. I think if you're bi, you might use bi because you do have a preference. And you may also not like all the genders. So, you know, if you're a woman, you may not like men, which is perfectly understandable. Mm. (laughs) Um, I,
1: like, when did this, when was this decided?
2: I don't think it was ever really decided. I think people just decided that, oh yeah, people, I'll I'll use that because I have a preference and then it just kind of caught on. I don't know. Mm. I don't... But I don't think you necessarily need to have one. I think a lot of people always say usually, or you have one. And I'm like, I don't think it's usual or have. It's just, it depends how you want to define it.
1: I have (laughs) missed this whole...
2: Yeah, I see a lot of bi discourse on Twitter a lot. And I'm like, I don't agree with how you're phrasing this. Because I don't think it's usually, I think it's just some people do. But you could probably say pan and say you. I guess it's harder to say you're pan and have a preference if you say regardless of gender but you could i don't know okay i think it's up to you
1: so then so the like that kind of implies that the the bisexual preference connection is kind of by like default where like the other definitions for the other words make it harder to say
2: yeah that's why i don't like it when people go usually or you have one because like you don't have to
1: yeah, so it's just that this one, the strict definition and the way that words work, I mean that you can have a preference.
2: Yeah, I think so.
1: And then that's become, you have a preference. Yeah,
2: which I don't like. Okay. But I like the definition of more than one gender, which is the one that Bisexual Index and a lot of other people use.
1: Cool. So when, uh, when do you think you first came out to yourself as bisexual?
2: I didn't come out as bisexual to myself until I came out to someone. To For me, it was a moment when, when I actually vocalised it that felt like I'd come out to myself. I mean, up until that point, I was still pretty much living in denial and finding any excuse to be in denial. And just coming up with a reason, like, oh, I don't like that. So I'm clearly not anything other than straight. So I just constantly found ways to deny myself.
1: I was going to ask which side of the denial fence
2: we used yeah, it was Yeah, it was the straight one, yeah. yeah. Um, for many, many reasons. <laughs>
1: um, so, do you want to talk about the first time that you came up to someone else? Yeah,
2: so the first time I came out to someone was when I was 24. It's a pretty late bloomer. Um, it was It was weird. It kind of felt like, like a New Year's resolution to myself. I kind of got to a point where um, I was at breaking point because... The reason why I came out was because I fell in love with a straight guy who was my best friend, and I was like, Well, I can't deny this anymore. And I kept trying to deny it, and I was hurting myself over it. And then I was like, Cool, right? It's 2017, gonna have to tell someone before I just die. Um, So I asked my friend if they want to meet up, and then went over to their house. And spent the whole time not actually saying anything about it. And just having a normal conversation and a chat. And then right before I had to leave, they were like, I thought you wanted to chat about something. And I just kind of blurted it out.
1: Did you Um, run away? Hmm?
2: Did you run away? No, I I blurted it out. And then I just kind of sat there. And they were like, doesn't matter to me. So they were all pretty positive about it. Um, And then I told them about the friend. um, And they were like, but they're straight. And I was like, I know. I'm suffering. (laughs) Um... And, uh, yeah, then I just started slowly coming out over the rest of the year, uh, slash year and a half. It took me a while to come out to everyone.
1: The guy that you were in love with, they still identify as straight?
2: I am not friends with them anymore. Oh, no. Uh, I never came out to them. Um, it's quite a tragic story, which I, I've i put in various other, various places. Um, but when I came out to... So I came out to them because they're a mutual friend. And then I came out to another mutual friend. Who then told me that the straight guy I was in love with was talking behind my back mm. and calling me too much? Um, so we had a big argument and we fell out. Then we kind of reconciled it for a little bit, and then it just wasn't working, so it fell apart again. Um, and that year was really rough because then I fell into a deep state, and then I lost all my other friends because of it. So. 2017 was
1: fun. <laughs> you can't do the thumbs up to take the edge off what you've just said, because it's not going to work for any of the podcast listeners. I put my like thumbs up, I'm taking the
2: edge off. They're,
1: they're all at home crying, and you're like, no, no, it's fine. It and your facial expression and gestures. No,
2: later, it wasn't fine. <laughs> 2017 was a nightmare.
1: But, you know, you came out, so...
2: Which was nice, which was nice. Um,
1: it's like when you have a really bad day when you don't achieve anything, but you did you know, have a
2: shower. Yeah, yeah, it was basically that before a whole year. It yeah, um, wasn't a complete write-off. No, um, and I'm in a much better place now, which is nice. Like better than I was before I came out. So you know, I got over the, the big trough and I peaked higher than I was before. So that's nice. That's good. Mm. Um, so the
1: f- so the first time that you came out to yourself was the first time that you came out to someone else. Why, why do you think that that was?
2: Um, homophobia, internalised homophobia, internalised homophobia, biphobia as well. So, um, and then also the culture I grew up in. So I grew up in Southall in West London, which is a very, very Asian area. So they're not very accepting of LGBT plus. We just kind of don't talk about anything related to sex or sexuality or anything like that. Um, I had my parents sometimes say, kind of, well, when I say kind of, they were my homophobic comments where, like, my mum would say, you wouldn't like it if your son turned out to be gay to my sister, um, when I was still in the closet, so, um, and, you know, everyone would always say, that's so gay, you're so gay, you know, those, those phrases, um, but then there was also the internalised biphobia, so, you know, I, I knew that I was not straight, I always say, when I was ten, and I always say not straight because I didn't know what bisexual was. And I didn't learn what bisexual was until I was 17. And when I found out what bisexual was, it's was because someone t- came out as bi curious. And my friend told me and then immediately laughed about it and said, Who is she kidding? If she's gay, why did she just say it? Um, and I immediately, it kind of put a light bulb in my head, but then immediately the light bulb was smashed <laughs> because it was like, Well, can't be that because clearly it doesn't exist. Um, And I didn't want to be gay either, but it also gay didn't make sense to me. So I just kept going, I'm straight, I'm straight. And it just got harder and harder. But I found ways to deny it. So I was like, well, um, I like those men, but I just want to be them was the first step. Then it was, I'm sexually attracted to them, but all men are trash. So I don't want to be in a relationship with a man. So, I found that way to deny myself until I fell in love with my street with friend, and then I denied it for another year, or nine months or so, um, because I just didn't want to admit it. So, in terms of the mechanics of like
1: actually coming out to someone else, and that was also the time that you kind of came out to yourself. Do you think that there was something in having to? like say it to someone because I think so So some people you know they'll they'll say it to themselves whether that's like looking in the mirror and saying it or yeah. they'll like say it in their head do you think that there was something um, deliberate about the fact that you had to say it to another person
2: yeah I think so I think you know it's one of those things where I would I would say it in my head but I would ch- put other voices in my head and shut it down and until i actually vocalized it to someone else it became real so the second i did that it became real mm-hmm. and it was that point that i felt like i'd come out to myself because I can't take it back now that i've said it right i could i could just shove myself back in the closet but what sense would that be mm-hmm. um so once i finally said it out loud i was like well that's done now yeah and it kind of silenced the other voices because it's like well we said it so mm-hmm. yeah
1: um so, do you have any other like memorable coming out stories?
2: Uh, good or bad? Well, either. <laughs> um, I think one of my favourite ones was when I told my friend, and I told my friend just before her stop on the tube, and she didn't really know what to say, and she just kind of went, okay. And I kind of looked at her, and she was like, what do you want, a medal? <laughs> Which kind of just made me laugh. And she was just like, oh, I don't... You know I don't care. Like, I don't know why I'm supposed to give you hair. And then after she texted me and was like, "I'm so sorry about that. I just didn't know what to say." But Vinnie, I just I don't care. Like you're you're Vinnie, It doesn't matter. But so that was really nice. But also just it cracked me up. So has she
1: has she since got you a medal?
2: <laughs> no, which I should really ask her for one. I'd be like, yeah. yes, I want a medal. But
1: also like, how perfect would that birthday or Christmas
2: present be? Right, we like guys are coming be, up. Made, yeah. Um, but my. Memorable bad one is very bad because it's an instant where I didn't actually get to come out because um, so when I was coming out I was using Twitter as a safe space because I needed to say my thoughts out loud and I needed to find people and interact with people and actually is what formed a lot of my friendships now because I found community groups that I made then made friends from which I wouldn't have found otherwise um, but it became. A point where so I was talking on Twitter about a lot of his stuff, and when I told my mom, I put that on Twitter, and a week later, my mom told me that my dad already knew, and my dad confronted him and was like, "I know you know it because it's on his Twitter." Now my dad does not use Twitter. <laughs> my dad does not use social media at all. So this was a really bizarre moment. But my um, my mom told me that the story was is he was on online at work and his. Colleagues were saying that you should go on social media, and he decided to check out Twitter and found me, which I found a little bit bizarre because I didn't really have a following at all back then. Um, fast forward a few months, and um, there was some argument going on in the house. and My sister finds out that the reason my dad knew was because my extended family had outed me, and my extended family were on my Twitter and they had shown the Twitter to my dad. Now, I was already not talking to my dad for unrelated reasons. Um, And i now no longer talk to my extended family at all. Um, But yeah, I I haven't asked my dad how he found it or anything. So I have no (laughs) idea how he took it. I live with him, but I don't know how he took it. Um, But the thing that was really sad about me, sad about that was I didn't get to tell my brother either because during this whole argument, my brother found out. And I was trying to muster up the courage to say it to both him and his wife. I just never got the chance, which is kinda of sad.
1: Why why do you think that it is sad that you didn't get the chance to
2: Because it was it was a thing with me and my brother we never used to get on and we were kind of reconciling that over the last couple of years. Like we were getting a little bit closer, we were doing certain things, like, you know, birthday gifts and stuff like that. So we were getting to that point and, you know, we went to I went to their wedding the year before and um well yeah and a bit before and it just would have been nice to just tell my own brother and kind of have that moment with him and talk to him about all of the stresses that I experienced when we were younger and just have that nice chat I just never got that chance and um, he just found out I mean I did get a really lovely lovely text from him when um, he found out he sent me like, a massive wall of text and was like I love you, I support you and it was really nice it just, it's just a shame that that's the way it had to come down to it that it was a nice text around all of the anger about the fact that my extended family had done that um so yeah that's my really sad moment <laughs> at
1: least was there were some silver linings i guess yeah 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 um so uh did you say that you live with your parents
2: yeah so i still live at home in oxford with my parents uh my sister's just moved out with her to be husband and my brother is currently doing up his house so he can move out with his wife. <laughs> Soon it'll just be me, my parents. But yeah, I live at home. Um and now you're out. Yes. To them. Is,
1: that, is that you don't have to talk about it if you No,
2: it's I it's kind of a mixed bag. when I when I came out to my mum, she she took it better than I thought, but obviously it was it isn't as as lovely as some people's stories. Um, you know, don't be like, Oh yeah, my mum hugged me and I love you. Or, my mum did say that but she said, I'm not happy. Um, because she she had a bit of a shocked face on her when I told her and I asked her, Do you hate me? And she was like, I don't hate you, but I'm not happy about it. And then she did give me a hug. And she is slowly trying to learn all of the stuff. Um she did come to buy Pride to see me at a panel, which I wasn't expecting. I kind of just asked her to see what she would say. And I expected I didn't expect her to say no because of buy Pri, but that would probably be one of the reasons, but she wouldn't say it out loud. Um, I should to just be like, no, I don't want to travel all the way to Hackney. I don't want to be in a massive crowd, blah, blah, blah. But actually, she met all of my friends. Um, she told me how much she enjoyed the panel. Um, she gave me a big hug and told me, well done. So, like, really, actually, she's she's really getting there. and She's being really supportive about it. But um still didn't talk to my dad, so I still do not know. <laughs> it's been a couple of years now, so I not
1: here. Stressful.
2: it's it's less stressful than talking to him okay. like a lot of people say when I say I don't talk to my dad they say that must be really hard to manage and I was like if you knew what it was like talking to him you'd realize how much easier it is it takes so much stress out of it because me and my dad had a terrible relationship so not talking to him kind of saves me from all of that toxicness I guess.
0: For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com.
1: So when you found out that there were people, so you went to Twitter for this kind of like safer space and then you found out that there were people who were kind of making that space not safe anymore, was there anything that you like were able to do to try and reclaim that space?
2: As in what when LGBT plus spaces aren't safe? Do you mean?
1: Well, so spec- like in your specific experience, you had this Twitter, and then there were people who were following you. Right, like,
2: yeah, yeah. I I just didn't do anything. I was just like, well, now nah, everyone knows. So what is there to say? I did I did rant a few times and was like, get the hell off my Twitter. And then every time I rant about telling them to get off my Twitter, I get a phone, my dad gets a phone call from them, and then he starts ranting at my siblings about it, and I'm like, get off my Twitter. Um, but no, I, I just was like, well, you all know now, so I'm just going to carry on being open and loud about it, mm. which is nice. Um,
1: so, final question of this portion of the interview. Not the final question, I have so many more questions that <laughs> I would like to ask you. Um, what does coming out mean to you?
2: So for me, I think initially when I was first coming out, it was acceptance. It was accepting myself. Um, when I say acceptance, and not from other people, just accepting myself, being authentic to myself, being true to myself, um, and living my life. For now, when I come out, it's about being visible and being loud about being visible, so I can help other people. So every time I talk about my coming out story or I mention the fact that I'm bi, it's very much to be to make that awareness that there is LGBT plus in this space that we find ourselves. So that other people feel comfortable being out as well. Um, and it, you know, when I wrote my coming out story and I posted it online, it, I mean, it, for me, it got a lot of hits. Like right now it's sitting at 600 views, which for me is a lot. Um, but at one point, I think I got like 250 or something, and I was like, oh my god, I didn't expect these kind of numbers. I hope it helped some people. And one person replied to me and was just like, actually, I read your blog and then came out to my parents afterwards. And I was like, how did it go? And I'm like really well. I did it when I was drunk, but it was fine. And I just started crying because <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't expect that at all. So now it's after that. I was like, yeah, it's it's about being visible, um, which is what coming out is for me now.
1: So you do uh, a lot of visibility kind of stuff.
2: Yeah, especially because I feel like it's really hard to be seen with all of my different identities. Um, you know, you very rarely see indian queer men at all let alone and you barely see bisexual men like we all know the statistics where things like 12 percent of bisexual men are out of their family so it's ridiculously low um and when you put those two together it kind of makes a double whammy of like you basically don't exist um and you know you go into various spaces you constantly find yourself not fully accepted so I kind of just want to keep shouting about it to be like hi yes I am Indian I'm also queer I'm also bi I'm out here we exist and um hopefully some people will hopefully people are listening and see it because it'll help them
1: could you give the listeners like a very quick rundown of all of the kind of
2: (laughs) yes like
1: activism or visibility kind of stuff that you do
2: Yes, um, so I guess the first thing I did, so the first thing I did was I started a blog, so I have a blog on Medium, again, Nintendo Mad ATJ, I'm very easy to find. Um, the One of the blogs I then improved on, and it's in a book called The Bible New Testimonials, which is published by Monstrous Regiment, who are based in Scotland. Um, uh,
1: I'm pretty sure they're based in Discworld. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that too. <laughs> um, and then... After that, I was in a few photoshoot campaigns for Prepster. Um, if you don't know Prepster, search them up because I don't have time to, to explain all the amazing things they do. Um, the same people also made another group called Longtime No Syphilis, which is self-explanatory. Um, and I did a campaign with them. I recently did a campaign for GMFA, which stands for Gay Men Fighting AIDS. And it was about, around South Asian gay and bisexual men. Um, so and are, you,
1: are you like the poster boy for safe sex?
2: <laughs> I, I think so at this point. I'm basically the poster boy for safe sex and HIV prevention, which is weird. Um, I'm kind of following in Phil Samba's footsteps, who was the original poster boy and still is, really. Um, and then I've done a few presentations on bisexuality. I was on a panel at Bi-Pride. Um I also am part of a film group who are making a documentary around queer people of colour. I think that's everything at this point. I uh, probably missed a couple of things, but there's a
1: lot. Um, so, you have been doing some kind of like presentations at work. Yes. That kind of thing. So, uh, what kind of stuff do you talk about in the presentations?
2: So the presentations that I made was around bi-visibility. So I made it because um, I got an opportunity from someone I know who works at Thames Water. And since our company makes a billing system for utility companies, it kind of lined up nicely. So my work gave me the day off and it was on bi-visibility day. I went to Thames Water to give a presentation around what is bi-visibility day. Um, So I kind of touched on a little bit of who I am, what I do. Um, and then mention a little bit about being Gaijin and proud because that's always a topic that I need to highlighting and then I go fully into visibility, and I talk about all of the I basically go through misconceptions that we hear. so I basically just have a slide which just has a question on it that we get asked the first one I start with is the one I always get asked first which is which one do you like more men or women and I just break it down to just how many problems there are with it Firstly, it says men or women, which is already a problem. Um, and then I just kind of go through it and I just talk about how it's rooted in biphobia, biurasia, basically trying to explain what those are. Um, and then I talk about the difficulties of being bi. So I show them some lovely statistics that are from Stonewall reports. I say lovely, they're grim. They're grim statistics about um, how we're more likely to have suicidal thoughts, commit self-harm, be depressed or anxious or homeless at the level the poverty line. Um, I touch a little bit on um, bisexual migrants and how they get sent home as well um, and then I just explain what we can do better so by inclusive policies and you know not assuming people's gender and sexuality and all of that sort of stuff.
1: So why do you think that uh, it's useful to have that as like a separate conversation as opposed to for example um like talking about kind of the lgbtqi plus
2: community as a whole i think it's useful as a separate conversation because we experience separate difficulties there are difficulties that we face that gay people and lesbian people are not going to face um they might experience difficulties from us as well um but we, we get that extra layer. We still experience homophobia. That doesn't go away. I've had fag thrown at me. I've had you know, batty boy and stuff like that. I have all of these words thrown at me that are rooted in homophobia. But then any time I talk to someone about being bi, they will erase me or they'll, they'll avoid me. So it's that extra layer on top of it. And it's a layer that isn't talked about. And it's exactly what is causing all of the problems in the bi community. Because when you're bisexual, you want to go to an LGBT plus space. And then when even LGBT plus people are telling you you don't exist, where are you supposed to go to be safe, right? Um, you know, I was I was in an LGBT plus bar with an LGBT plus community. And I was having a conversation with a fellow bi person who said, um, Oh, I feel like a bad bi because my sexual experiences are like 90-10. Ninety towards men, and I was like, I've never had sex with a woman, so what's the big deal? And immediately, gay person's ears twitched and turned around and was like, so how do you know? So I was like, you're asking me that, you, um, so it just it just creates this really unsettling atmosphere with being biased just. Fitting fit into this box, and no, like you're in between two worlds where neither world wants you. Essentially, the straight world doesn't want you, the LGBT plus world doesn't want you because it's dominated by gay people. So, I think it's really important to discuss that issue.
1: And how's the reception of the talks been?
2: Really positive, actually. So I've given three so far. It was the same presentation each time because they were kind of back to back. And so I gave it at Thames Water, and then I gave it at my own place of work. Um, which wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for the Thames Watermore, because I just mentioned to them I want to do this thing, and they were like yeah cool, do it here too um, which was really positive positive. Um, and then I did it at the Thames Valley LGBT Plus Network um, and every single time I've got people going, that was really interesting it was really informative I learned something um, I thought that was really interesting coming from the LGBT Plus Network, because everyone in the room was some form of of queer, like some, they were all part of the community, and they were all like, I didn't realise it was like that, I didn't know that, that was a problem. Um, So that was, it's been really good, been a really good reception.
1: So is the plan to do more kind of talks? I do really want to.
2: I mean, I feel like if I had to, I would have to justify it more to work, Um, because obviously this time I could be like, oh, it's, you know, vested interest, because... One day you might be able to work with Thames Valley and they'll know me, at um, Thames Water rather, but I don't know if they'll allow me to just take time off too much anyway, but I'll, I mean if I get an opportunity I'm definitely going to be like, hey, can I get another D off and see what they say, because um, I would love to, it's really fun.
1: Uh, so if someone is listening and they're like, what we need is a bi-focused talk at my
2: place of work, how would they get in touch? Um, I think the best place to get in touch with me is Twitter. It's, I'm literally, if you message me on Twitter, I reply within five minutes. <laughs> Jesus, like they try to, to write multiple messages, and I'm like, nope, I'm applying straight away. Um, so definitely Twitter. Um, if you Google my name or my Twitter handle, um, nintendomad 88 and I said about three times, which is well, perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, if you Google that, you will find everything I'm on. So, just message me through one of those and I will probably see it. Um,
1: and the, you mentioned the documentary project or the film yes. project. What's the kind of timeline for that?
2: Um, we're looking at um, getting it out the door early next year. Yeah. Ah, okay.
1: So we're recording this in October 2019, but it is probably coming out early 2020.
2: So <laughs> pretend like it's coming out yeah. and do a do a thing. Okay, so it's coming out and um, basically the documentary is focused around queer people of colour. So we have four main people. We have a non-binary person called Farhan Khan. We have me. We have my director, Blaze. And we have my friend, Manpreet. So I am a person who's already out and talking about my struggles of trying to find a place where I can really truly fit as a person who is from many different worlds. Um, my friend Mampri is someone who isn't out and is trying to find themselves. Um, we have my director who is out but, um, and he's gay, but he's works in a fil- well, film production, it's his own charity, it's his own group, but he's never done anything that he feels is truly his own identity reflected. And then we have Farhan Khan, Um, they are part of the protests that are up in Birmingham. So they identify as queer and Muslim. And so they're constantly fighting against all of the protests that are happening up in Birmingham around LGBT plus education. And so we touch around a lot of these different things around the linking of identities um, and the problems it can cause. Um, We highlight stuff like uh, UK Black Pride, Pride in London, Bi-Pride, we did quite a bit of filming there. Um, We filmed my panel, we filmed Farhan's panel um, at Black Pride. So we're really just trying to highlight what it means to be a queer person of colour and a lot of that kind of stuff.
1: Do you know what the release is going to be? Like, if people are going to be able to...
2: I don't know yet, actually, because we're right now... We finished uh, production last month and we're now in post-production and i think we are really hoping to get it into film festivals and really really hoping to get it into bfi flair yeah. but this is a massive hope that may not happen so you know if you see us in bfi Flare when this comes out it happened before. um and other than that we're hoping to probably put it online so I'll probably end up being on amazon time probably it's the most likely place we'll put it okay well, we'll make sure
1: that we'll put all the useful information
2: embedded into
1: them. Yeah. Uh Okay, is there anything else that you wanted to...
2: I don't think so, no.
1: No? Um, all right, just before we go, would you like to describe your tattoo to the...
2: Yes. Person? So I have a very lovely tattoo, which is the front cover of the Bible, Volume 2, and Volume 1, actually. Um, and it basically looks like paint swatches, I think is the word for them. It's basically like two paint smears. One of them's pink, and one of them's blue, and then in the middle, when they mix together, it makes purple, which is the bicolours. Um, and it was very beautifully designed by someone called Hannah, who works for Monstrous Regiment. Um, and I'm not the only person who, could, who has this tattoo, actually. One of the other authors got it first. Um, yeah, so it was like a little thing on Twitter where we were joking around and being like, "We should make get all get tattoos," and some people were pretty actually serious about it. Um, and I was like, oh, I don't know, I've never had a tattoo, maybe not, but it sounds like a cool idea. And then one of the people, uh, Rob, just got it done and was just like, hey, your turn. And I was like, it okay.
1: looks like it's quite looks like quite painful first.
2: Yeah, it was
1: that part of the arm, like the flesh. That's a really painful place to get it done. Yeah,
2: so it's it's in my bicep. Um, it's in the inner part of my right bicep, um, and yeah, when I spoke to the Tattoo artist, like whilst whilst they were doing it, said to me, um, "You know, you pick the worst place on your arm to get it done." And I was like, "Sounds about right. It's painful." Because
1: I, so one of my tattoos, it sort of starts on it's on this arm, it like starts on the back, like the kind of like where you've got the muscle on the back of your arm, and then it comes all the way into the kind of fleshy bit and the bicep, and um, the like difference in pain it's like a it's more pain but it's also a completely different pain. like it really feels like someone's taking a scalpel to your arm and yours is completely colored in as well also because yours coloured. Unrelentless. no so mine's mine's um that bit so it's the wing of a a bat is the bit over the painful bit so it's like um oh that's pretty uh but so all of the coloring in is is kind of shading yeah um and the tattoo artist who did it um for this bit was really excited because she's got a new needle which is like um had like a head of like twelve needles yeah. in a in a block to, to do it, so the shading was actually quite quick, but it was really like the kind of the outline, like yeah. it really felt like it was.
2: Felt, oh for me, the coloring in was the worst part yeah. because it was, it was so much of it. Yeah, like it was, it's just all colored in, and he was just doing it in like virtually like round and round and round, yeah. and um, I was just like I was obviously like this is fucking awful, and then the um the person the the tattoo artist was like yeah you picked the worst part and plus right now i have got 18 needles against your arm and i was like
1: i would explain the pain yeah. i think i had to like i basically i pretended i had to go to the toilet like five times while she was doing this part of the tattoo to go take breaks it was so bad
2: i just i didn't take a single pick i think it took an hour and a half so it wasn't too bad but i was just like just get it done just get yeah. it over because if i take a break i'm not going to come back i'm yeah. just going to leave
1: and then you would just have like the pink part and yeah. it would be completely the wrong message exactly yeah Well, there we go. Uh, Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm sure my 20 or so listeners will. (laughs) Probably already follow you on Twitter. I imagine they have quite (laughs) a big crossover, so I can't promise you any new fans. But hopefully someone will hire you to come give a real bisexual presentation. That'd be amazing. A a presentation about bisexuality.
2: I mean, both. (laughs) It'll also be (laughs) be very bisexual. (laughs)
1: Listening to this episode of the Coming Out Tapes, I have been your host, Karis Bradley, and I would like to say thanks to Scary Boots for the artwork, which is available to purchase on Redbubble, Michaela Moody for the music, and Alex Lathbridge of the Smart Material Collective for his support of the project. If you want to get involved, please tweet at us, because we'd love to hear your thoughts, comments, and questions. If you liked this episode, subscribe and leave us a review or recommend us to a friend, because it makes a big difference.
3: D-E-R-M dot com.